Heavenly Father, Yahweh, thank you for um, letting us be able to gather here tonight. Father, we pray that you just guide us through the scriptures tonight, Father, and we pray that you show us the way. Father, don't let us be misled or led astray, Father, and lead us in your spirit. We thank you for everything. Father, we pray that you forgive us for our sins. We praise you in every way, Father. We praise you in the good and the bad. We thank you for your son, Yeshua. Yeshua, we thank you for all that you've done. Father, we pray for the sick, the needy, the poor, the hungry, the widow, the orphan. We pray for the world to repent and come back to your ways. Father, we pray that as we read through these scriptures, Father, you just give us your knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, and your discernment, Father. Father, we're going to say, y'all want to say Shema, Hero Israel, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh is one, and we shall love Yahweh Elohim with our heart, with our might, with our soul, and we shall love our neighbor as ourselves. Through Yeshua's name we pray to the Heavenly Father Yahweh, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Amen. 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 I don't even know why I asked. Uh, yeah, that's, that's I was like, because I'm like, you usually like, ask your kids. Like, that's why. <laughs> I think that's why you usually like, you guys want to say Shema? What's up, Joe? Right. Be good, brother. <clears throat> What'd you say? Shalom, shalom. Shalom. Who that? All right. Is that my wife All on right. the phone? Yeah, she's in here too. Oh, All right. right. We're in Exodus 25. Uh, I'm reading out of the NRSV version. It says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites to take an offering for me. You are to take my offering from everyone who is willing to receive. This is the offering you are to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. Fine linen and goat hair. Ram skins dyed red. And manatee skins. We'll get to that later. Acacia wood. Oil for the light. Spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrance. A fragrant incense. And onyx. Along with other gemstones for mounting on the ephod. And breastpiece. They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. You must make it according to all that I show you, the pattern of the tabernacle as well as the pattern of all its furnishings. They are to make an ark of acacia wood, 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold. Overlay it both inside and out. Also make a gold molding all around it. Cast four gold rings for it and place them on its four feet, two rings on one side and two rings on the other side. Make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark in order to carry the ark with them. The poles are to remain in the rings of the ark. They must not be removed from it. Put the tablets of the testimony that I will give you into the ark. Make a mercy seat of pure gold 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Make two cherubim of gold. Make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. At its two ends, make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat. The cherubim are to have wings spread out above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and are to face one another. The faces of the cherubim should be toward the mercy seat. Set the mercy seat on top of the ark and put the testimony that I will give you into the ark. I will meet you there above the mercy seat between, two, between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the testimony. 
I will speak with you from there about all that I command you regarding the Israelites. You are to construct a table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold and make a gold molding all around it. Make a three-inch frame all around it and make a gold molding for it around its frame. Make four gold rings for it and attach the rings to the four corners at its four legs. The rings should be next to the frame as holders for the poles to carry the table. Make the what poles of a... Do what? <clears throat> uh, make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and the table can be carried by them. You are also to make its plates and cups as well as its pitchers and bowls for pouring drink offerings. Make them out of pure gold. Put the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. You are to make a lampstand out of pure hammered gold. It is to be made of one piece, its base and shaft, its ornamental cups and its calyxes and petals Six branches are to extend from its sides, three branches of the lampstand from one side, and three branches of the lampstand from the other side. There are to be three cup, cups shaped like almond blossoms, each one with a calyx and petals on the first branch. The three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a calyx and petals, are on the next branch. It is to be this way for the six branches that extend from the lampstand. There are to be four cups shaped like almond blossoms on the lampstand shaft, along with its calyxes and petals. For the six branches that extend from the lampstand, a calyx must be under the first pair of branches from it, a calyx under the second pair of branches from it, and a calyx under the third pair of branches from it. Their calyxes and branches are to be made of one piece. All of it is to be made or to be a single hammered piece of pure gold. Make seven lamps on it. Its lamps are to be set up so they illuminate the area in front of it. Its snuffers and fire pans must be of pure gold. The lampstand with all these utensils is to be made from 75 pounds of pure gold. Be careful to make them according to the pattern you have seen shown or been shown on the mountain. That's the end of 25. So he was shown a vision of what, what's going on in heaven? Yes. Huh. Yes, sir. So that's what the sanctuary looks like in heaven? That's what the, the holy place and the most holy or the holy of holies. Yeah, that's what, that's what, that's what he is explaining to him right now. And it's a real place. Yeah, absolutely a real place. Yeah. Because he's giving them specific instructions on what the sanctuary looks like in heaven. He said, make a replica of it. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. Yeah. Which we're going to get into some of the interesting stuff uh, in regards to this later, too. Uh, yep. With the rest of the portion. <laughs> I do find it interesting, though. He's very meticulous. <laughs> He's very, very, very meticulous. Yep. And 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 that again that that points out that it's an, an actual place and this is something that will eventually be back here on the earth. Yep. It will descend from the heavens. You don't get this meticulous and say that you you know make it according to all that you have seen in the vision or or the yeah what you've seen in the heavens. Unless Just it's a real place. <laughs> call the measurements and Ezekiel. You know, yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, the manatee that says there, um, it could be dolphin skins. It's, that's a debated thing. That's why I said we'll get to it later. I think it's something else. It could be, it very well could be. Which which uh, ways like what uh um hold on a second. What's the strongest number? Is that what you're saying? Oh, but mine says badgers. Yes, that's it. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I'll see what Esword says real quick. I'll also share this for everybody that wants to. Yeah, the skin of dolphins. Hmm. I don't know about that one. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not entirely against it because we see that the ESV says goat skin. Goat skin. Yeah, I don't think it's dolphin because you can't. Can you take dolphin skins and and do what you can with like a regular deer skin or any kind of mammal, you know, skin? I would assume you could. <laughs> They've taken Stranger Things. That's true. <laughs> Just saying. Mine could be badgers. Because yeah, it's supposed to, they're supposed to have like a there's their hide is like water repellent. Yep. Maybe it's honey badgers. It says so the brown driver dig says a kind of leather skin or animal hide. Uh, perhaps the badger or dugong, dolphin or sheep. Strong says probably a foreign derivation, a clean animal with fur, probably a species of antelope, and then it says badger. So I wouldn't think there's dolphins in the desert. There's definitely dolphins in the desert. What are you talking about? They fly, don't they? Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's see, that's what that's what it was. Is flying uh, dolphins? Yeah, it was flying dolphins. You just had to uh -huh. be there to see it. They're smoking some good stuff. Oh my god. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those things. It's like there's some other animals. If you start going through the clean and unclean animals, um, 
there's some definite discrepancies in some of the words. So that's something for you guys to study at one of these days. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's, there's basics. Don't eat pork. <laughs> Don't eat, you know, anything that's in the waters that doesn't have fins and scales. Basic stuff. And then has to have a split hoof and choose a cut. So, <laughs> but some of those other things that are mentioned are pretty interesting, and, and even scholars are hard pressed to figure out what the heck it is. But anyhow, we'll uh, we'll go on to chapter twenty six says, you are to construct the tabernacle itself with tin curtains. You must make them of finely spun linen and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, with a design of cherubim worked into them. The length of each curtain should be 42 feet and the width of each curtain 6 feet. All the curtains are, are to have the same measurements. <clears throat> five of the curtains should be joined together and the other five curtains joined together. Make loops of blue yarn on the edge of the last curtain in the first set and do the same on the ledge of the outermost curtain in the second set. Make 50 loops on the one curtain and make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set so that the loops line up together. Also make 50 gold clasps and join the curtains together with the clasps so that the tabernacle may be a single unit. You are to make curtains of goat hair for a tent over the tabernacle. Make 11 of these curtains the length of each curtain should be 45 feet and the width of each curtain 6 feet. All 11 curtains are to have the same measurements. Join five of the curtains by themselves and the other six curtains by themselves. Then fold the sixth curtain double at the front of the tent. Make 50 loops on the edge of, of the one curtain, the outermost in the first set, and make 50 loops on the edge of the corresponding curtain of the second set. Make 50 bronze clasps, put the clasps through the loops, and join the tent together so that it is a single unit. As for the flat that is left over from the tent curtains, the leftover half curtain is to hang down over the back of the tabernacle. The half yard is on one side, and the half yard on the other, on the other of what is left over along the length of the tent curtains should be hanging down over the sides of the tabernacle. <clears throat> Excuse me of the tabernacle on either side to cover it. Make a covering for the tent from ram skins dyed red and, co and a covering of man manatee skins on top of that. You are to make upright planks of acacia wood for the tabernacle. The length of each plank is to be 15 feet. On the width of each plank, 27 inches. Each plank must be connected together with two tenons. Do the same for all the planks of the tabernacle. Make the planks for the tabernacle as follows. 20 planks for the south side and make 40 silver bases under the 20 planks, two bases under the first plank for its two tenons, and two bases under the next plank for its two tenons. 20 planks for the second side of the tabernacle, the north side, along with their 40 silver bases, two bases under the first plank and two bases under each plank and make six planks for the west side of the tabernacle. 
make two additional planks for the back two corners of the tabernacle. They are to be paired at the bottom and joined together at the top in a single ring. So it should be for both of them. They will serve as the two corners. There are to be eight planks with their silver bases, 16 bases, two bases under the first plank and two bases under each plank. You are to make five crossbars of acacia wood for the planks on one side of the tabernacle, five crossbars for the planks on the other side of the tabernacle, and five crossbars for the planks on the back side of the tabernacle on the west. The central crossbar is to run through the middle of the planks from one end to the other, then overlay the planks with gold and make their rings of gold as the holders for the crossbars. Also overlay the crossbars with gold. You are to set up the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you have been shown on the mountain. You are to make a veil of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen with a design of cherubim worked into it. Hang it on the four gold-plated posts of acacia wood that have gold hooks and that stand on the four silver bases. Hang the veil under the clasps and bring the Ark of the Testimony there behind the veil. So the veil will make a separation for you between the holy place and the most holy place. Put the mercy seat on the Ark of the Testimony in the most holy place. Place the table outside the veil and the lampstand on the south side of the tabernacle opposite the table. Put the tab or table on the north side. For the entrance to the tent, you are to make a screen embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely spun linen. Make five posts of acacia wood for the screen and overlay them with gold. Their hooks are to be gold, and you are to cast five bronze bases for them. Very descriptive. <laughs> the shirt. They sure brought a lot of stuff with them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When it says they plundered Egypt, boy, they plundered them. Yeah. What was it? 75 pounds of gold just for the instruments in the first half. And then we got silver, more gold, some bronze. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's stuff they're got to break down and take it with them. For me, I, I love the way that. Uh, Yahweh is very very precise and very descriptive in what he wants and how he does pr provide for what it was needed to build the tabernacle, build the Holy of the Holy and, and the altar and, and all, every specific to the T and how we have to be obedient to do so. Yeah, yeah I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I know no, I believe you. I thought it was funny. Your wife says something you're like, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What she said. What she said. I'm and... at home. I'm in Brooklyn. He's upstate, so he didn't know I was <laughs> thinking of it. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna say the same thing. No, hold on. Wait. So sorry. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, even with like Noah's Ark, like he was so specific you know i guess and when he wants things done he wants them done you know his way and very specific and it probably took a long time to get all that stuff together and to build it do you know how long it took to do that hmm. never thought about that 
there. I don't know. A little while. It probably would have been a little while. Yeah, imagine. Because imagine, that's a lot of stuff. And a lot of, you know, like 50 feet of this and 50 feet of that. And, you know, 10 of these and five of those. And they had to get it. And then they had to. You know, you can't just get, you know, get the, the fat, you know, the fabric from the skins and other, but then you had to cut it. You had to, if it was, you know, certain stuff, you had to clean it or whatever. Then you had to get rings for it. You had to make the rings. You had to just imagine like the work that went into that. Yeah, which we'll get into it later because you got to remember this isn't even when he's telling the Israelites to make it. This is just him telling Moses what is to be done. So I know that the end of Exodus, it does talk about, which we're going to talk about the priestly garments. Or no, I think we already did talk about the garments. Or no, that's in the next chapter. It's in, or yeah, next chapter. It's in 28. Talks about the priestly garments and then they're made, um, or it's relayed to the Israelites at the end of Exodus. After he comes down from the mountain. But yeah, I also want to point out because it's talking about the cherubim and stuff like that. Um, there's some people that know who I'm talking about, I'm sure. But there's been a... Uh, I, I heard from an individual that said that, you know, the whole graven images thing, you know, you're not supposed to take pictures of people and yada, yada, yada. I don't think that um, the images itself is what's bad. I think it's the worship of the images. And we see that because he's very meticulous about they need to make cherubim on the mercy seat they need to put cherubim on the curtains like he's telling them to put images of things in the heavens on these things so i don't think that the command is you know that you're not allowed to make these things i think it's you're not allowed to bow down and worship these things as your god that's my take on it because if it was don't make them then he's clearly telling them to break the command <laughs> Because he says not to make anything of uh, was it heaven or on earth. Yeah, don't make anything in the likeness mm. of anything in the heavens or on earth. Don't bow down to them. I think that's the the emphasis is don't bow down to them. Don't do your obeisance or worship to these things. It's fine to have them, <laughs> which I'm sure my wife's glad to hear that because she likes buying chicken stuff. <laughs> I, I they're into angel worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 another possibility too. I mean, yeah. you go back to the beginning of Genesis. As long yeah. as Tab doesn't put like a whole bunch of chickens and puts an altar and like candles in the circle, I think we're all right. Oh my god, you make editing so difficult. No. <laughs> <laughs> you got red robe. Oh my god. Anyhow. <laughs> Anyhow. I just wanted to point that out because I think that it's uh, very important to understand that. It doesn't matter if you got a, a picture of your loved one because I've heard people say that, you know, that's what the command means. You're not allowed to take pictures of people because that's an idol. It's, it's a likeness of things on the earth. No, as long as you're not worshiping your pictures, I think that it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. And that's what, yeah, because a lot of people, there's just people out there that do make idols. And that goes back to, what was it, Hezekiah, whenever 
the people of Israel, they were worshiping the staff of Moses. And yeah, the bronze serpent. Yeah. Yeah. He smashed that thing. He said, bro, you can't be up there like burning incense to it and crap. He's like, nah, bro. And he smashed it. They will find anything they can <laughs> to worship other than the one that they're supposed to worship. That's that goes back to the first of the ten. There is no mighty one but me. And this goes to Deuteronomy 6 4 as well. That's not a theological debate of you know, God is only one. That's not what that is. It's better translated as Yahweh your Elohim is your Elohim alone, him only. That is a better translation of this. That's the Echad. It means one, him alone, singular. You don't worship anybody else or anything else. You worship him and him alone. It's not a, which I've seen people use that as a, a thing against the Trinity, and I don't think that's, I don't think that was even in his mind when, when that was stated. <laughs> I think he was emphasizing that it, that, that the Father, the Most High, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, is the only thing, the only person that you're supposed to worship, Him alone. And I think that's, that's where we get to Shema. That's why Yeshua said the Father's looking at those to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. And also, you know, Found this verse the other day. I was looking at it. Romans 4.24. It says, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. If we believe on him. You know, I think Yeshua came to show us how to worship the Father in spirit and truth. I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we're going to get to the next chapter. There's only 19 verses. I'll tell you what. No, yeah, we'll stop the 19 because the rest of it will go to the next portion. <laughs> so 27, 1 to 19. <clears throat> You are to construct the altar of acacia wood. The altar must be square, seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. It must be four and a half feet high. Make horns for it on its four corners. The horns are to be of one piece. Overlay it with bronze. Make its pots for removing ashes and its shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans. Make all its utensils of bronze. Construct a grate for it of bronze mesh and make four bronze rings on the mesh at its four corners. Set it below under the altar's ledge so that the mesh comes halfway up the altar. Then make poles for the altar, poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with bronze. The poles are to be inserted into the rings so that the poles are on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Construct the altar with boards so that it is hollow. They are to make it just as it was shown to you on the mountain. You are to make the courtyard for the tabernacle. Make the hangings on the south of the courtyard out of finely spun linen, 150 feet long on that side. There are to be 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and the bands and the posts must be silver. Then make the hangings on the north side 150 feet long. There are to be 20 posts and 20 bronze bases. The hooks and bands of the post must be silver. 
make the hangings of the courtyard on the west side 75 feet long, including their 10 posts and 10 bases, make the hangings of the courtyard on the east side toward the sunrise 75 feet, make the hangings on the one side of the gate 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and their three bases, and make the hangings on the other side 22 and a half feet, including their three posts and their three bases. The gate of the courtyard is to have a 30-foot screen embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely spun linen. It is to have four posts, including their four bases. All the posts around the courtyard are to be banded with silver and have silver hooks and bronze bases. The length of the courtyard is to be 150 feet, the width 75 feet at each end, and the height 7.5 feet. All of it made of finely spun linen. The bases of the posts must be bronze. All the tools of the tabernacle for every use and all its tent pegs are as well, or all its tent pegs as well as all of the tent pegs of the courtyard are to be made of bronze. It just clicked to me. That's the end of the tour portion of, of, of this section of it. Um, it just clicked to me though. The reason that they are overlaid with bronze and the bases are so meticulously covered in uh, metal like that is so they don't rot. That just dawned on me. <laughs> I don't know why I never thought about that. <laughs> also on the third <laughs> In the first part, the altar and all that, it just sounds like a big, ginormous grill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because you got, there, you got a grate and all that. Doubles, you know, to receive the ashes and stuff, so they have to, they got to clean out the stuff. Yeah. They got to clean out the, the ash. Uh, what version did you say you were using, Dustin? Uh, new revised standard version okay all right mine i have that in my hand also it, it's not reading the same i was just wondering interesting <laughs> uh well which uh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i spoke completely wrong i'm reading out of the hcsb apologize i was about to say <laughs> i was it too i was like the same the same i had no like, yeah, I was I, like I, i've got it's the only one i don't have on the table I was gonna say I could show you guys like I've got I've got two Bibles and they're both like brownish and yeah I apologize I forgot I had the HCSP. It's no it's no big deal. I was just curious. This is really uh, interesting. I appreciate the invite. Hey, no problem, man. We do it every Saturday, and you're more than welcome to come every day. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, so now that we've addressed that I was reading from a totally different Bible than I uh, had aforementioned. Um, I just, this is one of my favorite uh, translations of the Bible is HCSV. So, <laughs> I usually just read out of whatever is open on my table whenever I come in here to do portions. It's kind of the way we are. We have a ESV usually is, is sitting there, uh, but I've had the NRSV longer than any of the rest of them. So I, I usually grab it first just because it's got all my highlights and stuff like that in it. Yeah. Then yeah. rendering the scriptures too. It's got, I like the way it explains some things. 
I like, like yeah. My 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 three is right now anyhow. It's probably NRSB, HCSB, and the TS two thousand nine. Those are like my three go to. I I would be remiss if I didn't say that the TS two thousand nine was a little too uh uh hard to read for me. But uh, yeah, I'm working on it though. I'm the same way about man, first time that I got one and started reading it, it, it really ticked me off. <laughs> I'd be lying if, if, if I said that it didn't. But what it did is it caused me to to learn pronunciation of Hebrew. That's and true. I respect it for that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. It's also pretty uh when you go to looking at like like it's got a lot of the verses that the other Bibles don't have in them. Yeah, TS2009, it, yeah, it doesn't remove. That's what everybody gets on that, that dang, that one uh, group or whatever on Facebook, and they start talking about King James only or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fun. Yeah, yeah it is fun. But I always tell, but like, TS2009 doesn't remove anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, it, does it, it doesn't have... Uh, First John five seven though does it, or does it? That half of the verse that's that they're always talking about the three witnesses in heaven. I believe it does. I'm looking right now. Yeah, there are three: the bare record in the heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Holy Spirit. There you go. I don't know why I thought it didn't, but. Oh, I take that back. Who, who's drawing hearts? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, well, it says there are three that bear witness. It doesn't say the last half. It says as, uh, I was reading from the King James. It says the spirit and the water and the blood. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it doesn't have the three witnesses in heaven, though. Nope, just says there are three who bear witness. Right. Uh, King James has got the three witnesses in heaven, Father, the Word, and the Spirit, or whatever. Yeah, and these three are in agreement. But it says yeah. footnote, as per early Greek, text later, as read, it contains uh, additions, the ex explanatory notes, comma, a Johannium? I don't know. Yeah, the comma Johannum, yeah. <laughs> yep. It's it's interesting to I've been on kind of a journey this year looking through translations. I just pretty much fell in love with all of them. Yeah, that's what I keep. Yeah, yeah. I'll say I love translations. All the checked, Bibles. Have you checked out the uh, Septuagint? I oh, not. he's going to today. He's going oh. to today. Don't spoil nothing, Jimmy. Right. I, I'm good. I, I just, if I don't have something, it's just because I haven't got it yet at this point. Right. Uh, the, the, my shelf over here, I probably got 50 books on the shelf over here that, whereas I didn't have but one Bible or two last year this time. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to end up like me. Like every time I go to the store, I'm like, oh, what's this Bible? Like I just picked mm -hmm. up one that called God's Word Translation. And it's not bad. I don't hate it. I have no clue about it. I just, like I said, I just seen it at the store and was like, eh, five bucks, I'll get it, you know? <laughs> but uh, 
we're going to go to the Septuagint now, since Jimmy had mentioned it. I know the next part of the portion says First Kings, but we're going to go to Ezekiel. Uh, we're going to go to Ezekiel 40. Oh, I see what you're going to read. But I, you're I, mean, I don't have one, so can I stick with the NRSV and be pretty close? Or? You uh, you're going to find out. What about say? Spoil nothing. Yeah. Fine. Don't spoil nothing. Sorry. Ezekiel oh. 40, you say? Yes. And it's verses one through four. This is not where it gets interesting. You're going to notice where it gets interesting on the next Ezekiel passage. But, all right, so I'm going to read from the Septuagint of Ezekiel 40. And it says, And this happened in the 25th year of our captivity, in the first month, the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was taken. On that day, the hand of the Lord came upon me and took me in a vision of God into the, into the land of Israel. And he placed me upon a very high mountain. And upon it was something like the construction of a city opposite and he led me there and look a man and his appearance was like the appearance of glistening bronze and in his hand there was a builder's cord and a measuring reed and he stood by the gate and the man said to me have you seen son of man look with your eyes and listen with your ears and set into your heart all the things i show you since you have come here for me to show you and you shall show the house of israel all the things you have seen He's being shown a vision of the kingdom. Yeah. Just I'm like, pretty sure that one reads similar to the to the rest. ESV. Go ahead. Yeah, it was it was similar in the ESV and the NRSV. The yeah. two we've got out now. Yeah. So that's that's when he's yeah, shown the the city. <laughs> he's shown New Jerusalem. This is what's called uh, this is what's referred to as Ezekiel's temple which is the kingdom in heaven, which is the, when Moses was talking about how he seen, or when God was talking to Moses and said, make it in accordance to all that you've seen, this is the same thing. This is what he's being shown, which is what Moses was shown, and he had uh, made a copy of. Yeah, now, it literally, it says uh, on the heading here, it says the vision of the new temple. So. Yes, 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 yes. Same, same thing John was seeing in Revelation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There you go. Yep. <coughs> now, this David, next part is where it gets interesting. Go ahead. No, I said David's seen it too. It's like David's temple. Isaiah's seen it. He calls it the holy mountain. Um, uh, Jeremiah calls it Zion. John calls it New Jerusalem. Ezekiel's temple. You know, it's all the same. Yeah. Oh, yes, I think. Sir. On this one. This is going to blow your mind. <laughs> Ezekiel 43. Are you using the set on this one? Yeah. What do you, Okay, what well, is it? Ezekiel 43. Okay, I know you're going. <laughs> All, right, All right, I'm, right, I'm with you. All right, and it's 1 through 17. <clears throat> this says, and he led me to the gate that looks east, and he led me out. And look, the glory of the God of Israel was coming along the road toward the east. And there was a sound of the encampment, like a sound of redoubling sounds, of many redoubling sounds. And the land shone like a light from the glory all around. 
And the vision I saw was similar to the vision I saw when I entered to anoint the city. And the vision of the chariot I saw was similar to the vision I saw near the river Tabar. Uh, and I fell upon my face, and the glory of the Lord entered into the house along the road of the gate facing toward the east. And a spirit lifted me and led me into the interior court. And look, the house was full of the glory of the Lord. And I stood and look, there was a voice of someone speaking to me from the house. And the man stood close to me. And he said to me, you have seen, O son of man, the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet among which my name dwells in the middle of the house of Israel for eternity, and the house of Israel, they, are, they and their princes with no long, or will no longer profane my holy name by their fornication and by the murders of the princes in the midst of them. When they set my porch by their porches and my doorposts close to their doorposts, and they set my wall as if it enclosed me and them, and they profaned my holy name, by their lawless acts and th that they were committing. And I destroyed them by my anger and by slaughter. And now let them thrust aside their immortality and the murders of their princes from me. And I will dwell in the middle of them for eternity. And you, O son of man, show the house of Israel the house and they will grow weary of their sins and its appearance and disposition and they will receive their punishment for all that they did and mark out the house and its exits and its plan. And you shall make known to them all its ordinances and all its statutes. And you shall delineate them before me and they shall keep all my duties and all my ordinances and they shall do them. And they or and show the, them the plan of the house on the top of the mountain. All its boundaries all around are the holy of holies. And these are the dimensions of the altar by the cubit of the cubit and hand breadth, a hole of a depth about a cubit and the width of a cubit or in the width a cubit and a projection upon its border all around it was was a span. And this was the height of the altar from the bottom of the beginning of its hole to the great lower ledge, two cubits and the width a cubit and from the small ledge to the great ledge, four cubits, and, and with a cubit. Hmm, interesting. But the aerial was four cubits, and from the aerial and above the horns, a cubit. I'm going to have to read a separate version. And the aerial was 12 cubits yeah. along by 12 cubits. I think they, yeah, it's, it's all right. I'll get to the Britain after this. And the aerial was 12 cubits along by 12 cubits upon its four sides. And the ledge was 14 cubits long by 14 cubits wide upon its four parts. And its border encircling all around it, half a cubit, and its rim a cubit all around. And its steps were facing toward the east. All right. So <laughs> mine, I've got the LA. You want me to read that? You want me to read yeah, the, you, uh, I got it right here. Go right ahead. Okay. In verse 14, um, there it's talking about a specific something. And this is what this is what the this is the difference between the Septuagint and the Masoretic. It says, from the bottom of the commencement of the hollow part to this great mercy seat, from beneath was two cubits, and the breath was a cubit, and from the little mercy seat 
to the great mercy seat four cubits, and the breadth of it was a cubit. So there's two mercy seats. Yeah. There's a lesser one, then there's a greater one. Because Yahweh sits on the greater one, and Yeshua sits on the lesser one. Yeah, and this is what it talks about, the great lower ledge and the great ledge. They, it's supposed to be the great, or the mercy seat and the little mercy seat. That's the way that the yeah. Masoretic uh, alters that, which apparently the LXX, which this is a a revised... Well, the, um, <laughs> Both the ESV yeah. and the NRSV both say uh, ledges. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They try, they try to hide the Messiah is sitting on the mercy. So y'all guys, y'all got yeah. to explain on this. So what he, so what's going on here is we have, this goes back in history. So your Masoretic text is from Genesis to Malachi, right? From Genesis to Malachi that's your Septuagint or your Masoretic text, right? And there's other texts too. But this, the Masoretic text you have today was translated from 600 AD to 1000 AD is when it was translated, right? The rabbis translated it. Now, if you, before Christ, right? Before Christ, from 250 BC to 100 BC is when they compiled the Greek Septuagint because the world was being Hellenized at the time so they got a whole bunch of, they got like 70 elders, they put them together, or not 70 elders, 70 scribes, they got them together, and they had them translate the text so people could understand it in the Greek language. Greek language, just like we have today, you have people translating English, um, Spanish, you have all these different languages to translate it. And the Greek Septuagint predates the Masoretic text. Now... With that being said, I even found something today. Um, someone showed me something Dead Sea Scrolls, and it lines up with the Septuagint. So you have two witnesses that, that testify against the Masoretic and show that the Masoretic has been corrupted. Now, does that mean everything in the Masoretic is wrong? No, it just means that they've twisted little things here and there to hide certain things from the people. And I believe that's where it came down to the rabbis, trying to hide things from us. There's a big one. There's actually a big one. And I think the, the rabbis and Judaism use this to discredit the New Testament. And Dustin, can you pull up uh, Genesis eleven twelve in the in the Septuagint? I can, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Okay. I'm gonna, um, brother. Okay. You broke up. Did you did you get what he was saying, Seth? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, check you this out. Genesis eleven, what? Uh, I believe it's eleven twelve. It's a it's the it's a genealogy of Shem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yes, okay. Genesis eleven. 12. So in in Luke three, okay, in Luke three, thirty six, it says, "Which was the son of Canaan? Which was the son of Arphaxad? Which was the son of Shem?" Okay. That's saying Shem, son was Arphaxad, and his son's name was Canaan. Okay. Now, if we take the Masoretic, I'm going to do the King James. That's the Masoretic text. Yes, we'll 11, 12. Yeah. yeah. No, it no. Arphaxad lived five and 30 years and begot Selah. Well, Selah 
is Canaan's son, not, not our fact set son. Canaan is our fact set son. So now we have a contradiction in the Bible. But it's really not because the book of Jubilees, I don't know if you read that, but the book of Jubilees and the Greek Septuagint both say that Canaan is the son of our facts. And the New Testament. And the New Testament. Those three witnesses line up together. Rabbinical Judaism just wiped out an entire generation. Yeah. Make things fit for them. Which, that's the other thing is that all I believe, I'm under the impression that uh, what they had in the New Testament, what they were typically reading from, was the Koine Greek, which would be the Septuagint. Yeah. There's also, um, they hide Job actually being a priest because Job was a Jobab. I'll show you that. And if you go to Job, this is just a little quick lesson. This is a good thing to research this. If you go to Job 42, can you pull up Job 42.17? It's already, it's already on the screen. Okay. Okay, the, the, here's, what the, here's what the Masoretic says in the King James. And most of your versions, like King James, ESV, all these, they're all Masoretic. It says, yeah. the, 42.17 says, So Job died being old and full of days. Read the other one. And that's it. That's all it says. And it says, and it is written that he will rise again with those whom the Lord raises up. This man is described in the Syriac book as living in the land of Ausus on the borders of Idumea and Arabia. And his name before was Jobab. And having taken an Arabian wife, he begat a son whose name was Enon. And he himself was the son of his father, Zer, one of the sons of Esau. So this Job was in. Edomite, <laughs> and of his mother, uh, Bosorha, so that he was the fifth from Abram, and these were the kings who reigned in Edom, which country he also ruled over. First, Balak, the son of Beor, and the name of his city was Deneba, but after Balak, Jobab, who is called Job, and after him, Am Asim, who was governor out of the country of Thaman. And after him, Adad, the son of Barad, who destroyed Midian or Madian in the plain of Moab. And the name of his city was Gethaim. And his friends who came to him were Eliphaz of the children of Esau, kings of the Theamanites, Baldad, sovereign of the Salchains. I don't know how to say that. And so far, the son, or so far, king of Menaeans. So there you go. It tells None you right that. <laughs> yeah. No, so that that's, that's all in the Septuagint. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, in, in, in Job. If you that's the last verse yes. in, in 42.17. It was the whole thing that you just read uh, yes. after that he that Job passed away. Yeah. Yeah. So Job, that's, Job not even, that's, that's not even it. Like, all right, so like when we look at like things like uh Daniel. The prayer of Azariah is a part of Daniel. Or I'm um, yeah, yeah. The prayer of Azariah is a part of it. That's this is the prayer of uh, Manasseh. Um what else? There's Bell and the Dragon is a part of Daniel. Yeah. Like there's all these things that they have taken out of it. Um, and they're all in the Septuagint. They're in the Greek Septuagint. I've got uh, the LXX. 
which reads a little bit easier, but apparently I, I, I've never read Ezekiel 43 from it, but apparently they altered that a little bit too. But get the Brenton Septuagint, and it's like the original translation. As you can see, it even reads like the uh, old King James. Right. The same old English. I can give you something that was showed to me today. So I was reading through um, Deuteronomy 32, reading through Moses' um, song, Song of Moses, and I was sharing with someone, like, talking about how you see Yeshua in here, talking about the rock of salvation and all that. Um, then they showed me that in the Dead Sea Scrolls where they had changed something in verse 8. So it says, and the Septuagint, I mean, the, the Masoretic version says, this is the King James, says, when the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now, in the Septuagint and in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it shows this. It says, which the Dead Sea Scrolls says a little bit differently, though, but it says pretty much the same thing. It says, when the Most High divided the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the nations according to the number of the angels of God. So we have where they've changed it from the children of Israel, I mean, from the angels of God to the children of Israel. And also, I can actually read you the Dead Sea Scrolls version, too. Show you how similar they are. It says right here, it says, When Moses, I mean, I'm sorry, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the children of men, he set the bounds of the peoples according to the number of the children of God. And we know the children of God are the sons of God, which would be the angels. So they literally took it and made it the children of Israel instead of, the children of God or the angels of God. I, I, this is not the first I've heard of that one. I, I don't remember where I was or what I was looking at, but uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Show them, hey Mike, show them the, uh, the big one with the uh, coming back at the feast. Oh, Jeremiah 31. Uh, yeah. I'll pull yeah, it up. It's Jeremiah 38. Justin knows it. Justin, you can show them. Yep. Should I should I be seeing something on this screen? Oh yeah, yeah you can scroll, you not see it? If you scroll no, to I the can't right, see anything. Are you on your phone? Yeah. Oh, I'm on my wife. There. Oh, all right. Nice. Scroll. Okay. Put your thumb on. And scroll <laughs> to the right. All right. What you do you want it? me to read? What do you want me to read? Um, yeah, I can see it. You can turn your phone sideways and the screen is better. I can see it now. You can also zoom in too if you want. What do you want me? The Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> it's Jeremiah 31 7. For the Masoretic? Yes. Okay, I'll read that one. Jeremiah 31 7. Look at 7 8. Let me make sure. But there's a lot of things throughout scripture about like this. Like it, it's crazy. I don't it, says, things. Okay. it says, um, Jeremiah 31, it's 7 and 8. It says, For thus saith the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations. Pub publish you, praise you, and say, O Lord, save thy people, thy remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from, from the coasts of the earth. And with them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child, and her that travaileth with child together a great company shall return 
All right, now tell them what the show them what the uh, Greek Septuagint says, but it's in a different area. It's in the, yeah, so they, it's, the chapter off. So it says it's Jeremiah thirty-eight, and it says or in the Septuagint, but it's the same as Jeremiah thirty-one. And I'll show you just for proof here in a minute. But it says, "For thus saith the Lord to Jacob: Rejoice ye and exult over the head of the nations." Make proclamation and praise ye. Say, the Lord has delivered his people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I bring them from the north and will gather them from the end of the earth to the feast of the Passover. And the people shall beget a great multitude and they shall return hither. That's the resurrection at the time of Passover. The feast of the Passover. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that, that would be the That would be the marriage. I am. Yeah. And see, just, just for a little more confirmation, you go on to Jeremiah 38, 31, when in, in Masoretic it's 31, 31. It says, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, when I shall make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Yeah. It just, for some reason, the Septuagint and Jeremiah, they take chapters and move them around um, for whatever reason. I haven't dug into what the reasoning behind that is. I think it's just to hide things. Like, I mean, that's pretty important because he does say in the New Testament, for that for that day will not overtake you like a thief in the night. Yeah. Like there nobody knows the the day or the hour, but it, it says if you are unable to celebrate Passover in the first, you know, the first Passover. Huh? What do you say? That, that was Hello? me, I'm sorry. Oh, um, it does say that if you can't celebrate um, the Passover, you know, the first Passover um, in, in Numbers 9-11, he says you can keep it the second month on the 14th day. And it just, mm-hmm. it just, um, to me, it sounds like maybe that's when he's coming back. Because if you were in a journey afar off or you were defiled by a funeral then you, you know, you couldn't keep Passover. Yeah. Well, both of those, Yeshua, he, he went away and he, he was, he, he went to his own funeral, you know, he died. So he wasn't able to keep the Passover because the night that you eat it, he was already in the grave. So maybe he, maybe yeah, possibly he could be coming back. Yeah, at say he even said Go ahead. I agree because when he says that I will not again drink of this fruit of the vine. Yeah. Back in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the cool. next part of this portion we have first Kings five twenty six through six thirteen. <clears throat> And it says these things. <laughs> oh, wait a second. No, it's up. Yeah. Give me one second. I think I made a typo. No? 
I did not make a typo. First Kings five one through what? At five verse twenty six through six thirteen. I did not make the typo. I failed to review uh, first fruits of Zion. When I used, I just copied their initial Torah portions over on this flyer, but there is no verse 26. No. Not in this Bible, anyhow. Interesting. Interesting. I'll tell you what. Let's <laughs> we'll just skip over that then. All right. We'll go to. I'll go ahead and read. Uh, I put this together I'll read from the book of Jubilees it's 4 21-26 I personally take Jubilees as scripture When if you look at the flyer I also put Enoch on here but I said it's optional I have yet to sit down and actually test the book of Enoch I'm not against it but I haven't tested it enough for me to feel comfortable with it but I do include it for anybody that does use it for, you know, just to be fair. A fun do... fact. Go ahead. A fun fact about Jubilees is they found um, many copies, many, many copies in the um, Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. Um, written Paleo-Hebrew. And I think they found more copies than that than they did Exodus. Can, or can I read something real quick? No. Okay, this is just a little off, but it was with the Septuagint and stuff, so it's kind of on. But in Proverbs keep... 19, Good. hold on, I'll turn the Wi Fi back on. Just give me a sec. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to keep robot and you're not going to read nothing, <laughs> can you hear me okay now? Yeah, you're good. Okay, in Proverbs 30 19, it says, detract. Of a flying eagle in the ways of a serpent on a rock, and the path of a ship passing through the sea, and the ways of a man in youth. That's what it says in the Septuagint. It doesn't say the man with a maid or a young maid. Just saying. Yeah. All right. I was going to say, now now you can get back to actually following along with us in the portions there. <laughs> All right, anyways. <laughs> Jubilees, chapter 4, 21 through 26. It says, And he was moreover with the angels of God these six jubilees of years, and they showed him everything which is on earth and in the heavens, the rule of the sun, and he wrote down everything. And he testified to the watchers who had sinned with the daughters of men, for these had begun to unite themselves so as to be defiled. Do what? Oh. Anyways. Uh, they had begun to unite themselves so as to be defiled with the daughters of men. And Enoch testified against them all. And he was taken from among the children of men. And we conducted him 
into the Garden of Eden in majesty and honor. And behold, there he wrote down the condemnation and judgment of the world and all the wickedness of the children of men. And on account of it, God brought the waters of the flood upon all the land of Eden, for there he was set as a sign that and that he should testify against all the children of men, that he should recount all the deeds of the generations until the day of condemnation. And he burnt the incense of the sanctuary, even sweet spices acceptable before the Lord on the mount. For the Lord has four places on the earth, the Garden of Eden and the Mount of the East and this mountain on which you are this day, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, which will be sanctified in the new creation for a sanctification of the earth. Through it will the earth be sanctified from all its guilt and its uncleanness throughout the generations of the world. That's Jubilees 4, 21-26. Or, yeah. Now... Second Esdras, which again is another one that's been removed. I like Ezra. Or Ezra. I like Ezra's, the book of Ezra. And this is just two passages in chapter 7, 25 and 26. It says, therefore, Ezra's, for the empty are empty things. And for the full are the full things. For behold, the time will come and it will be when these signs of which I told you before will come to pass. That the bride will appear, even the city coming out, and she will be seen that now is withdrawn from the earth. Can't tell this is all like emphasis on the kingdom. Because <laughs> it all kind of just ties together. That's a that's an individual that it's a very important piece of the Bible. <laughs> very important piece. Because as we just read through in Exodus, all that was a vision of what was seen from the heavens. And he's very, 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 very meticulous about all these things because he wants them. He wanted Moses to relate to the Israelites that all these things must match and be parallel to what he's seen in heaven. And we see later on in the portion that after, or later on in the text, that after everything was put together, then the presence of the Most High dwelt among them as a uh, pillar of fire by day and a cloud of smoke by night. And it wasn't until after all the pieces were put together. I think it's very important. So yeah, I love I like Ezra's. That's I mean, I mean they accepted the other first two, you know, they're in canon. Yeah, but they don't they don't accept this one, and I do believe it's because of hold on. I do believe it's because of this scriptures right here. Where chapter, it's, four, chapter 14? No, in chapter 2, it says, hold on a second, let me bring it up. All right. Hold on a second. It says, uh, 
take that number, O Zion, and shut up those that are clothed in white, which have fulfilled the law of the Lord. Mm. The number of thy children, which thou longest for, is fulfilled. Beseech the power of the Lord, that thy people, which have been called from the beginning, may be hallowed. I, Ezra, saw upon Mount Zion a great people, which I could not number, and they all praised the Lord with songs. And in the midst of them, there was a young man of high stature, taller than the rest. And upon every one of their heads, he set crowns and was more exalted, which I marveled gravely. So I asked the angel and said, Sir, what are these? He answered me and said, These be they that have put off the mortal clothing and have put on the immortal and have confessed the name of God. Now they are crowned and receive palms. Then he said, then I said unto the angel, what young person is it that crowneth them and giveth them palms in their hands? So he answered me and said unto me, it is the son of God whom they have confessed in the world. Then I began greatly to commend him and that stood so stiffly for the name of the Lord. You can't, can't fulfill the law of the Lord, right? I mean... Aren't we supposed to be practicing righteousness? Yes. All right. What hey. was that you just read from? That was Second uh, Esther. Chapter 2, I believe. Chapter 2. It, yep. 2. Oh, I went 2 from 2.36 to 2.48 or something like that. All right. Um, but it just, it's amazing because you have the same account that John is talking about where he turns around and gives them palms, you know, in their hands and, and then crowns them. And he's rewarding them because in the end, we're supposed to be rewarded for our, I guess, your deeds, your works, your. I would say, I would more or less say it was good behavior, you know, doing the behavior of the father and the son. And you can't earn your salvation as a free gift, you know, but we can practice what we're going to do in the kingdom. There's a, there's a verse I always like to go to and it's a uh, first John two twenty nine, where it says, and now little children, Abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. What would you be ashamed of? You know, it says, if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So righteousness would be the, you know, Yeshua's behavior and sin is the devil's behavior. You got a choice to serve one of the two masters, you know. So, Oh, I heard it said once that, hey, you know, that we were going to be told, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, if you're if you're not doing anything, if nothing is required, then what, what did we do well? Exactly. Maybe it's your thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know, there, in, uh, let me read this one, this one more verse. And this is this is how Paul puts it. In Romans 6, 16, says, uh, 
Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants are, are whom to you obey, whether sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. So we're called to practice righteousness. We're called to, to you know, practice the behavior that well, Jesus practiced. And he imitated the Father. He says, imitate me. Paul even said that, imitate me, I imitate Christ. Right. Christ Father. So we don't, you know. Yep. Well, I've got a long road or a long row to hoe here in Arkansas because I'm coming from a Methodist church. Oh, uh, we all got backgrounds, man. And it's it's it, people don't want to hear anything that has to do with works or behavior i mean you know judgment nothing you know i mean we're supposed to, it says he that overcomes he that overcomes will i grant him to be in the temple of my god mm -hmm. and i'll give him the name of my god overcome what <laughs> right what's race what's the race i mean we're supposed to endure to the end what are we enduring? What are you enduring from exactly? I would, I would simply suggest that what you're trying to overcome and endure is sin, because right here, after he says everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him, First John, First um, John three four says everyone who makes practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness, and you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and him is no sin, so no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Talks well, about the perseverance of the saints. Right. What's the, what, what are you persevering from? And it Those says the, the saints are the ones who keep God's commandments and their testimony in Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus in the one, hey, babe, bear's coming. Um, isn't that the ones we just read about in Second Ezra? Where yeah. it says, here are those that fulfill the law of the Lord. Those are the ones, those are the perseverance of the saints. I think Ezra's on. seen a lot of the same stuff that a lot of these other prophets saw too. That's the thing. What I, Ezra, what I, I, I highly recommend Second Ezra's. By the way, I, all the prophets are explaining everything the same, they're explaining exactly the same thing, but everybody's telling it a little bit different because it, I was explaining it like this if we were all sitting in a room one evening and you know we had a barbecue and we had a great time, and you tell that story, you're going to tell it different than everybody else in that room because everybody's going to be focusing on specific pieces of the right. story that that was that was m meaningful to them so mm -hmm. you're telling the same story but they're all from different perspectives oh yeah but all the prophets are talking about the exact same thing whether they're major prophets or minor prophets the great day of the lord and then they give you yeah. all right so what's up in revelation with the day of the lord that is the day that he's coming back that's that's what I think. That's what I thought. I yeah. I can't imagine <laughs> it's because there there is a bunch of uh, 
you know, there's a bunch of people that will tell you that he was that's a Sunday. No, that's the day he's coming back. He's you can easily prove that because <laughs> huh, you can easily prove that because he starts describing the temple and the the leaves for the healing of the trees. Mm-hmm. Well, he describes the exact same thing. He starts describing the like. Let me show you real quick. The New Jerusalem, when it comes down in Revelation 21, it says, um, it says right here, and it says, Revelation 21, 12, it says, and it had a great high wall and had 12 gates, and at the 12 gates, 12 angels, and the names were written thereon, which are the 12 names of the 12 tribes of Israel, children of Israel, I'm sorry. On the, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. Does it tell you which tribes are on those gates? It doesn't, does it? That's why we have to go to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 48, chapters uh, 30 through 35. It says, and these are the goings out of the city on the north side, 4,500 measures. And the gates of the city shall be names after the tribes of Israel. Three gates northward, northward, one gate of Reuben, one gate of Judah, one gate of Levi. And on the east side, 4,500 and three gates, one gate of Joseph, one gate of Benjamin, and one gate of Dan. And on the south side, 4,500 measures and three gates, one gate of Simeon, one gate of Issachar, and one gate of Zebulun. And on the west side, 4,500 with three gates, one gate of Gad, one gate of Asher, one gate of Naphtali. It was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of that city from that day shall be the Lord is there. That's the new Jerusalem. Now, see, Ezekiel is a little bit different than what John was showing, but they're talking about the place. It made me think of uh, Exodus 28, though, it was talking about the creation of the uh, the priestly garments. It says, you take the two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of Israel's sons, six of their names on the first stone and the remaining six names on the second stone mm-hmm. in the order of their birth. Engrave the two stones with the name of Israel's sons. Uh, and then it says, fasten both stones on the shoulder pieces of the Ephod as memory as memorial stones for the Israelites, Aaron will carry them or their names on his shoulders before the Lord as a reminder. Fashion gold filigree settings and two chains of pure. Yeah, so he goes on. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just made me think of that. I got I I remember Israel. Uh, Go ahead. How like I know the I mean I, I went to a Baptist church. I I grew up Lutheran, doesn't wasn't really into the church until I started going to a Baptist church when I was in my forties. And that's kind of where I, I mean, that's where I got baptized. I made that proclamation when I got baptized that I was going to change my life, you know? Right. And and then I started having questions, you know, like you're coming out of the the Methodist church and I'm coming out of the Baptist church and, you know, and basically I just see it as, you know, there's 44,000 denominations of Christianity and which one is, Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and I'm not. It's not a slight to anybody who goes to church on Sunday or anything like that. It's just 
you know, we have to, we got to test all the doctrines and stuff that we have been taught and figure out, you know, what the Bible really says. And that's what's going on right now that is so annoying is, of course, Methodist Church is splitting again and because of gay clergy and other things, too. But mainly because the United Methodist Church, which says in the doctrine that in the rules that, you know, openly gay people cannot be clergy and they're just bypassing it altogether and not not enforcing any of that and uh, so they're splitting again over that and and i'm just listening to all this rhetoric and and it's all man-made nonsense yeah it's there's nothing there worth even arguing about right it's it's against god it's it's against god don't you know it's like when the presbyterians they split because of the same thing I think they were the first ones to split. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it wasn't for the the African Methodists, they would have split a long time ago. Mm-hmm. The Methodists, uh, they they were like, no, we're not, you're not doing that. You're not, you're not, we're not doing this. And, you know, they, they defended it for the longest time. For the longest time. And I watch stuff like that and I'm just like, wow, another... Our church is splitting because there's the agenda, you know. Right. And sad to see that the church just crumbles so easy when they. It's it's, it's not going to stop. No, no, it's not going to stop. There's there's always going to be something, and I'm trying to. uh, I'm very fortunate because it is a small town, and these people are my friends and family as well as church family, and. You know, I, I'm not going to abandon ship. I just can't. I got too much invested personally in the, in the community. And, and w- w- denominations don't matter here. We do everything together. We, d- we do Bible schools and, and, and all kind of stuff together. All three churches, the Baptist, Lutheran, and Methodist churches all together. We rarely do anything other than normal worship apart. And the good food pantry and and just everything but i'm not i can't ignore the things that i've learned this last year that's the father just by by reading the bible (laughs) isn't it beautiful like you can just read the bible for yourself and it's amazing what the father reveal he reveals himself to you that's how that's it Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but man, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when, a, when, when you come to reading the Bible with a pure heart to want to know the Father, oh, he'll reveal himself to you nonstop. And now there's no turning back. And, and isn't it unusual, not unusual, but ironic, I guess, is the word that the whole point of the Protestant movement was so we could all read it for ourselves. And yeah. It's 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 and then taking, generations have stopped yeah. reading it. And then it takes it takes what's happening now. What no, all you have to do is go once a week and hear that guy stand up there on that platform and teach you know I, what the Bible I, actually I, says, and then you're good until the next week. Right. It'd be uh it would be nice, but unfortunately 
it's not. It's a female. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. in your in your area. And oh yeah. yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. We've had uh, we've yeah. had two of them, two two in a row. And don't 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 be Lula. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Pastor Jan, she was she was an awesome person, and I learned a lot from her. She was a blessing, but. I have to keep my face down. When yeah, it's things. not. I mean, it's it's clearly states, you know, that that's not supposed yeah. to be the case. That's not supposed yeah. to be a woman out there. But it's, I will say this, and I'm not, this, my statement doesn't go against what the word of God says. Uh, if there is a woman that's, that's, that's up there telling the truth, it's better that a woman say something true than nobody say anything beneficial at all. Well, my wife would be thrilled to hear that because she has to uh, bridle, bridle her tongue in Sunday school <laughs> uh, on every week, pretty much. But she's getting there. She's planting seeds. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, 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 that's the main thing, man, is plant those seeds because eventually they're going to sprout. And it, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah, people... A lot of people are, are awakening to, you know, they're reading the they're reading the book and they're listening to the pastors, and you know they're Something. like, something's not right. Like some something's not right. And when I when I came into this walk, um, one of my questions from my pastor was, okay, Jesus was righteous, and he said yes. And I was like, what's the standard for that righteousness? And he said, well, he did God's law perfectly. I said, so he couldn't break any laws. He couldn't change any laws or break. He's like, no. I was like, why did you preach that? You know, and it was a sermon, you know, that we can go ahead and eat whatever we want to now. And I was like, wait a second. If he would have changed, you know, thus he declared all foods clean in Mark mm -hmm. 7, with his, yeah. which is in parentheses, and it's yeah. not even part of the text. You're telling me that he changed God's law before I got on the cross. And he's like, well, he can do anything he wants. He's God. I'm uh, like, no, that's not how that works. And so, you know, I, that's when I started, I read Leviticus 11 for the first time. I was like, huh, we're not supposed to eat pigs. And I was like, right. and I, and and see, I, was, that, I was like, that's kind of a shot <laughs> to me because I, we were on keto and I for like six months lived on bacon and eggs. Oh, and, God. I and, so much pork, but then I I realized um, how bad it was, and it, and it gave me the gout, it gave me high blood pressure and high cholesterol, and I stopped eating it all went away. Cookies did that to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I tested it. I went ahead and tested it, and it and it proved to be true. And I was like, and then I wondered. I, I said this this morning, somebody on um, one of the calls, and and then. I said, I bet the guy that ate the first puffer fish wish he wouldn't have ate that because he died. Yeah. You know, and I was, <laughs> yeah. it, it probably because the puffer fish doesn't have any scales. And it right. just, pro just proves that the father knows what's best for us. You know, I mean, he just knows he created us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like religion has got to the point, you know, um, where they just want to pick and choose which, you know, I'll take this one, I'll take that one, I'll leave that one there, I'll take this one, instead of just put going all in. And and it does go, it is abrasive with the rest of the world. 
you know. Well, but that's the way it is. Charles Spurgeon said that it's it's uh it's how did he word it? It's clear that if if uh, the world loves a church or the the church that the world loves the most is the one that God detests the most. Yeah. Yeah. My, my church used to have a um, fall festival where they all would dress up in costumes. And one of the questions I asked my deacons was, hey, you got all these people come in here and they're dressed up and you guys are dressed up. How do you know who the church is? And he was like, oh, never thought about that. And I'm like, I'm just curious. You know, aren't we supposed to be kind of set apart or, you know, what are we doing? And one more thing. All the same things they're doing. I'll yeah. say, wrap this up. <laughs> when, one, one funny thing is we're reading from the book of Second Ezra, and the Protestant church took that out of the Bible in 18, I think 1882 or 1880. Yeah. And then, and then they found that in the Dead Sea Scrolls written in Paleo-Hebrew that which predates Jesus. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that it just, you know, just some some stuff to think about for sure. It's just awesome walk, man. I'm so glad we get people come in here and they tell their testimony stuff and how the father's waking them up and and just, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome. He's he's really working in the world right now. Well, um, if you really want to hear how it started. Oh yeah. <laughs> We get we'll get there sometime. Plus, we got a minute. We're we're uh, we got, how, how many more we got? Dustin? Yeah, I was just saying. Let me let me finish this and then stop the recording and we can we can dive okay. into I'm, I'm sorry. different like, things. Like, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, the less editing that I have to do, the better. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Leave it in. All man. right. Oh well, I'm going to do like, but just I mean, if it gets carried on for too long, then I have to I have to snip some okay. stuff out. There you but, go. But okay, humble myself and be quiet for us. People have a very small attention span these days, and I want to keep them engaged. So we're gonna to go to Mark twelve thirty five through forty four. Uh, so it says, so Jesus asked this about, uh, or Yeshua asked this question as he taught in the temple complex. How can the scribes say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself says by the Holy Spirit, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. How then can the Messiah be his son? And the large crowd was listening to him with delight. He also said in his teaching, beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes, and who want greetings in the marketplaces, the front seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and say long prayers just for show. They will receive harsher punishment. Sitting across from the temple treasury, he watched how the crowd dropped money into the treasury. Many rich people were putting in large sums, and a poor widow came and dropped in two tiny coins worth very little. Summoning his disciples, he said to them, I assure you, this poor widow has put in more than all those giving to the temple treasury, for they all gave out of their surplus, but she gave out of her poverty, has, or out of her poverty, has put in everything she possessed, all she had to live on. And that devouring the widows, um, I'll give a little bit of 
history on that. The Pharisees legitimately do what the TV preachers um, do today. They literally would go to people's or, or widows' houses and proclaim to them that they will say this long, drawn-out uh, prayer and, and bless them. They will be blessed uh, above measure. All they, all that they require is for uh, the widow to give them all of her money. And that's why it says they devour widows' houses. And that's what we see with TV preachers today. So they want to call uh, people that preach law Pharisees when it's actually um, them who are Pharisees. <laughs> so, There's Joel Osteen's. Yes, 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 yes. Joel Osteen, false teacher right there. Don't listen to that Yes, guy. sir. Don't, I agree. Don't let, his, don't let his shiny teeth fool you. <laughs> You know his My brother. Teeth. Oh his yeah, brother. yeah, yeah, his brother's. Go ahead. No, his his sister's husband, Gary Stevens. Stephen. Yeah. He uh he left. He had a mega church too, and now he's doing what we're doing right now. Yep. He's pretty interesting to listen to, also. Yeah, I like I like him. He's a good man. He he's seems good. He, he still sounds like a mega church preacher though when he preaches. Yeah. I think, yeah, he's one of the guys I started listening to when I come up. And, you know, I was like, wow, triumph and truth. I still listen to him. Wow. What's his name? Uh, Gary Stephen Simons. It's called Triumph and Truth. It's a, he's good. He's, he literally, he sounds like a Baptist preacher with <laughs> preaching to him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. Hebrews 8. <laughs> All right, Hebrews 8, 1 through 5. All right. It says, Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if it were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest since the, there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. He's our high priest, huh? Mm -hmm. He's our high priest. So what's the priest do? Makes atonement for you. Makes atonement. <laughs> so is it the... Yeah. I, 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 I take the stance here recently. It could change, but I believe that went to that cross and shed his blood so he can... He could go ahead and take up his role as high priest so he can make atonement for us because it says when the when the shepherd was um smitten the sheep would be scattered but he would send the comforter because all the priests had failed they all failed and you know he gave us the he gave us the priesthood from the beginning because Cain and Abel were going to Adam and making sacrifices to him he was the high priest just like Noah, when he got off the boat, he made sacrifice. 
he would have been the high priest, you know. And Abraham, I believe it was Shem. I think Shem was the uh, high priest of Mel the Melchizedek that Abraham went to. So just something, something to think about. Like, um, that's what a priest does. He makes atonement for, for everybody. And it says there is one God and Father, one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So hard to question, ask sometimes. Uh, many theologians and scholars are like, well, they don't really know how the blood atones for you. They know the blood atones for you. And, you know, he, according to Psalm 2, it says, you you know, you're going to be a, a priest in the order of Melchizedek forever. You know, and it was already written that he was going to be the high priest. And so that came to be like he, he was stepping into his role, you yep. know. And I believe that that's how he makes atonement for us. And, and he, he guides us. He, you know, we, the rest of your life, once you come into the, the walk, um, the rest of your life is your, your sanctification process. And he constantly works with you, helping you along the way. It's so profound to think about things, to consider things in the, mm-hmm. As the you know, he's not only is the the high priest, but he's he was a sacrifice too. So it was. He was I didn't back, I didn't make all those connections. He was the he was the Passover lamb that that um, is the lamb led was, that was led to the slaughter. You know, um, I don't think he was a human sacrifice. I think he he gave his life willingly. You know, so what greater gift does a man lay down his life for his friends? You know, right. So, because it, it, being a human sacrifice, that would be against the law of God, it'd be against Torah. So, but I think it's a lot of it's like metaphoric, you know, but that's his role right now. It says we have a high priest right there, verse one, who sits at the throne. Of the majesty in heaven, so, and the minister of of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, and not man. So, a lot of people, you know, where's that tabernacle at? I think it's right above us somewhere. And it says it's going to come down from God. I'm sorry, Dustin. I'll I'll shut up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, does anybody notice me like pointing on the screen? Yeah, I did. I was sitting there watching. I was like, yeah, it's time to move. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have my screen. I don't have my, I don't. Yes, that's hilarious. All right, I saw that two more. Two more. Yeah, All right. Oh, I see it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was having fun. That's all right. All right, so look. <laughs> Revelation 3.20 and 21, it says, Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and have dinner with him, and he with me. The victor, I will give him the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also won the victory and sat down with my father on his throne. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Anyways, Revelation 21, 9 through 27. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 real quick. He was sitting with him on his throne because his his throne is uh, is four cubits away. Yep. <laughs> on the yep. lesser mercy seat. On the little mercy seat. On the little mercy seat. That's right. Awesome. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so Revelation 21, 9 through 27. It says, Love this. Then one of the seven angels who had held the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. He then carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of, out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a very precious stone, like a jasper stone, bright as crystal. The city had a massive high wall with 12 gates. Twelve angels were at the gates. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. The city wall had twelve foundations, and the twelve names of the Lamb's twelve apostles were on the foundations. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. That should make you think back to what we've already read. Mm -hmm. The city is laid out in a square. Its length and its width are the same. He measured the city with the rod at 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits according to human measurement, with the angel used, or which the angel used. The building material of its wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation, jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, carnelian, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, Chrysoprase, <laughs> the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each individual gate was made of a single pearl. The broad street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I did not see a sanctuary in it, because the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its sanctuary. <laughs> the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because God's glory illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Each day its gates will never close, because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Nothing profane will ever enter it. No one who does what is vile or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. That is the end of the tour portion. 